Welcome to the Pillcast, a podcast made by real people, featuring real experiences, shining light on real issues. Episode 2. Hello everyone, it's Sam here. Welcome to the second episode of the Pillcast. Just to let you know, we are now on Apple Podcasts, so that is really good news. Um, Today I'm joined by somebody really interesting, really inspiring, um, and I'll let him introduce himself. So, welcome to the Pillcast. Hey Sam, my name is Jared T. Ross, and first I just want to thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to come on this podcast and and share what I have to say. I really, really loved the last one uh, with Vaughn. I thought that was great. I was able to listen to it on the plane uh, when it first came out. So it was very fulfilling. Thank you so much, man. I'm honored that you listened to the podcast on the plane. I mean, that's great stuff. Um, Just to briefly tell people how we know each other, we met on Twitter, just like my last guest on the podcast. Um, And obviously through that, we have connected, talked, and it's great to get you on the podcast today. Um, so my first question to you would be, what would you like to talk about? Take it away. It's, it's completely your choice. I kind of want to address the elephant in the room, and that's the, the year 2020. For a lot of people, it's been maybe the worst year of their life, or at least one of the worst years of their life. You know, at the bare minimum, it's just been incredibly difficult for so many people. And I felt that myself as well. It really has been the hardest year of my life. And yet I say that, but I follow it up by saying it's been the best year of my life nonetheless. And this is a mindset that I've had for for some years now, since 2016, actually, when I really started being intentional about making sure each year is the best year of my life. And it's been really difficult to face 2020 and to still be able to say that. But when I look through and really see what happened to me, what happened for me, I see how many incredible opportunities and incredible experiences have come uh, both aside from COVID-19 and because of COVID-19. You know, I've had so many great experiences this year. And I got to say, usually it doesn't happen automatically. Having the best year of your life every single year doesn't just happen. You have to be intentional about it. You have to design your year in a way that you know is going to be incredible for you. So if I could ask, what would you say has been the best year of your life, or at least a really good recent year? Good question. I mean, it's really interesting uh, hearing you say that and just actively going out with that mindset. Um, you know, when you tell yourself something is going to be that way. I guess you're more likely to believe it, you know, the whole law of attraction and and manifesting yourself into that um, emotional state, I guess, really helps. Um, But to answer your question, I mean, I wish and after speaking to you, I'll probably aim to set out with the same mindset as you to have the best year every year. I'd say this year hasn't been too bad with the coronavirus situation. Like you said, many people would call this the worst year of their lives but I've taken a lot of 
learning experiences from it. Uh, there's been a lot of opportunities that have come out. And just focusing on the positives there. Uh, you know, I've got a new job. I've started some new things that have gone, been really successful. So I'd say this year, it might actually be the best year of my life so far. That's incredible, man. And I mean, one of the things you started was this podcast, which I think is incredible. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that despite what's happened, you're still making this a great year for yourself. Yeah, I think um, the fact that we all had time to reflect on on our lives and what we were doing really helped. I think we all in a way have reflected on ourselves and started something new, whether it's just painting or like you say, this podcast. And it's just great to have that time to reflect on ourselves. I want to ask you what your the best year of your life was, but I feel like I can already guess that already. Um... <laughs> well, if I mean, my first best year of my life really happened in 2016. Um, and that was that was a year I did an international trip to Ghana and was able to reconnect with, um, I mean, parts of my culture. I'm I'm half black, half white. I don't necessarily know much about uh, the black side of my family or, or where we come from. So it was a it was a really cool experience just to be able to to visit an African country, and it it opened my eyes to to so much, and and it was a real turning point for me as far creatively because prior to then I had always been so used to doing well in the maths and sciences in school I was convinced that there was two types of people you know the ones who excelled in those areas the sciences and the maths and then I thought there was another type of person who was just like insanely creative and had infinite creativity uh going to Ghana and seeing some of the art and just some of the experiences there, it just something clicked inside of me and I came back with an obsession uh, for art. And I became like emotionally attached to to certain pieces of artwork. And I, I started painting myself. Um, and I mean, I have some of my paintings up on my website, which is just jarrettross.com, but it's, it's a healing process, um, you know, expressing that creativity. So, that was the, the first best year of my life. And then uh, sequentially, I just started making the decision to make each consecutive year the best. So yes, 2020 has been the most recent best year of my life. In a way, I'm kind of um, envious that you, you were able to travel to Ghana. I mean, what an amazing country. I mean, it must have been a surreal experience to see how people live live their lives um you know it's just slightly different from here i love experiencing different cultures around the world whether i'm in uh, greece or or spain or anywhere europe um i haven't been so lucky to to come to your part of the world yet in america but uh i'm sure it was it was a little bit different from america to ghana definitely it definitely was um and i i really cherished seeing those differences both in the lifestyle, but also in just the the personal relationships, uh, the courtesy that, that you saw between people. And I think this is something people say a lot of times when they visit outside of the uh, United States, and that's that a lot of other countries have a, I guess, a greater sense of brotherhood or kinship between one another. You know, they treat even strangers as, as like friends, as, as you know, far, far away cousins. They just have a, they're more cordial with one another. Something else that you mentioned about 
you know, going on this theme of having the best year of your life, you mentioned self-reflection was a, a big component for a lot of people in 2020 with, with all the restrictions that are in place. And I, I did want to bring that up, so I'm glad you mentioned it. Self-reflection was truly the, the catalyst that allowed me to not only want to have the best year of my life every year, but to actually believe that I could. And that's such a key component is that self-reflection. It's something that I tell people is that you have to be comfortable spending more time with yourself and not just spending time by yourself. Yeah, that is that is very good. <laughs> yeah, um, and I can't I can't take credit for the quote. I don't know where it came from, but I I seen it somewhere, and so I, I really liked it. But uh, you know, in in 2016, when I started to have those best years of my life, something that I did was, and I was in high school at this time, my sophomore year. In the spring of 2016, I spent three hours alone outside almost every single day for four months straight, just reflecting. Like I wasn't necessarily doing anything. Sometimes I would bring like my phone out to listen to music, but for the most part, I had a journal out and I would just sit and I would watch the sunset for hours every single day because I lacked clarity in life and I I didn't like that feeling. And so I decided, out, hey, I'm going to face myself. I'm going to dig deep. I'm going to look around, figure out who I am, what I want, and really design a life that I want to live. And it was through this process, um, and not just you know, those uh, sessions outside, but it was largely through those that I developed a lot of clarity in life and was able to you know, be more confident and comfortable with who I am. Yeah. And how did that make you feel at the time of, of doing that? Sometimes it would suck, you know, because sometimes you don't necessarily get the answers that you're hoping to get as fast as you would like. Sometimes it just, you know, you just sit out there and it feels kind of like a waste. And in one sense, it was like a meditation for me. I mean, it really was. There's lots of different ways you can meditate. And that was that was a way to meditate and, and go within. And, you know, sometimes it was kind of uncomfortable. Sometimes I would rely um, a bit too much on my on being on my phone because I was uncomfortable. But as I did that for, for weeks and then eventually months, I started to get really, really empowered and fulfilled uh, by doing that experience. And then uh, finally coming away with so much clarity felt incredible. Yeah, I think um, the spending time with yourself, not by yourself, that is really crucial. We We get caught up in these these lives of ours, you know, very busy lives working and caring for families, all these different tasks we get th- that get thrown at us daily, each and every one of us. And we don't really find the time to just sit by ourselves like like you did and just reflect on on how we are, where we'd like to be, uh, how we're how we're treating other people in a way. Uh, and I think that could that could really benefit society if we all started just doing that, even if it's just once a week, once a month. I think it would get us quite far. Absolutely, man. I mean, it's, it's sad to see so many people who, you know, are kind of just drifting around in the world. They don't know exactly where they're going. And that's okay. It's really okay to not know what you want or where you're going. But you have to address it at some point. 
you have to be willing to, to spend time to figure it out. And it's not always going to be easy. There's going to be different strategies and different ways. But, and this is something that I've actually done a workshop on this, um, on finding your life's vision. And I kind of reverse engineered the process that I took in, uh, in my notebook that I would fill out during those sessions. And I actually have it with me now. Um, but it's, it's just this green notebook filled with random notes and ways to explore my mind. I would list all these questions and force myself to answer them. But when people really spend time getting to know themselves and developing a good relationship with themselves, they're so much more positive in their interactions with other people. They have more confidence and more energy and purpose in life and everything that they do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Uh, one thing I've started doing myself is just reflecting on, on each day as it goes at the end of each day on an app uh, on my phone. <laughs> um, but it, it helps in a way. It's just a small thing. It takes like three minutes, but just to log what I've done in a day, how I felt. And in a way that helps me see where I'm going wrong, um, where my mood isn't the best and can help me improve that and really um, focus on that one thing that isn't working out and strive to improve it and change it. And maybe as well, it's, it's not something you should force onto people, but it's something that people will most likely benefit from in their own way. I mean, there's so many different forms of meditation. Right. That's, that's awesome. If you don't mind me asking, how do you go about that self-reflection? You know, are you journaling on, on pen and paper or online or just mentally reflecting? Like I said, it, it's on my phone, which in a way is a good thing because we have to embrace this technology. But in a way as well, I wish it was on pen and paper. Um, and I may start doing that just because technology and the internet and the phone in itself is one thing that a lot of the time causes the the bad moods in me um you know it's something that we need to break from sometimes and separate ourselves from because we get so caught up these these phones they're they're tools they're not part of our body and yet most people have these in their hands 24 7 like they're super glued on but how did you um reflect a large portion of it would be just in my own head but then whenever i had an idea or a question that particularly stood out to me i would write it down on on pen and paper nowadays however i i do have like an online journal that i use but I've honestly been been slacking on it in recent times. I've become so fixated on on school and work that sometimes I you know I rush the process of of winding down and going to bed and reflecting on my day. Um, and it's not the best for me. And, and fortunately, um, I'm living with my girlfriend now, and and she actually has been practicing this mindfulness more so than me. And she she gives me good reminders just seeing her take out her journal in the mornings and then the evenings and writing stuff down. And we have like big uh, wall whiteboards and sometimes she'll just be, you know, writing her affirmations on there. And I read them sometimes and I get inspired and encouraged uh, to, you know, slow down, take a breath and, and meditate a little bit more. Mm, that's really great. That's great that you both um, work together to inspire each other and help each other's moods. Um, but what, what you said earlier about, going outside in 2016 
that is something that really resonates with me. I'd love to live in a space where nature is incorporated inside because I think nature's really healing. Uh, it's probably one of the things that inspires me the most and reflecting outside surrounded by that nature is is probably a really great idea rather than just inside just a quick five minutes you don't really get enough time to see the the real beauties of life um when you're stuck inside four walls all day that's that's so true i mean being able to have access to nature is is such a big deal and i mean the bare minimum uh for me because i i do like city living i really do uh, but I, I also like to have that time and space to reflect. But if I am going to be living in a city, you know, in an apartment, the bare minimum is having lots of natural light. Like I'm kind of obsessive about making sure the windows are big enough. There's enough natural light to come in and come into the house. That's uh, just a huge thing for me and high ceilings, too, because I, like you said, I don't want to feel boxed in necessarily. No, I completely agree with that. That is something that in my current house right now, um, it, it frustrates me a little bit. And I look around and I see so many people, especially in in England from my own experience, live in these, these boxes. Um, and it's something I hope to change one day because we need inspiring living places. Like you say, high ceilings, natural lights, they're all things that can inspire and motivate but and they're possible to build but right now we live in these most people live in boxes and it may be because of um income and money is probably an important factor but it is a shame that we we all can't experience the at least a an achievable level of beauty in the places that we spend a lot of time in. in. I mean, imagine living in a James Thoreau space. It would just be amazing. It would be beautiful. Uh, uh, speaking of, of James Terrell, um, you know, for the audience who might not know who James Terrell is, he's a he's a visual artist, a, a light artist, who, um, who really puts an emphasis on, on the way that humans interact and, and perceive different, different light, different wavelengths. And, you know, I've seen a lot of his, he has installations all over the world. I mean, even in San Francisco, there's a, there's an exhibit you can go see for free. Um, and it's just, it's really, it's really cool. It's really peaceful to experience uh, his work. Have you ever been to a James Terrell space? Um, I've happened to attend a, a small exhibition at the Pace Gallery in central London, but unfortunately it wasn't a an installation where the light completely absorbs you but in a way it was it was peaceful just to sit there for around 20 minutes and just look into these these uh, artworks of of light and really get absorbed into them yeah it's it's really like stepping into a portal and in a lot of cases when you visit these these terrell spaces i think i've i visited four uh, and one of them, are you familiar with Rodin Crater? Yes, of course. I love the Rodin Crater project. It's um, it's really amazing. All right. So that's his like his Magnus Opum, his biggest uh, display yet, and he's still working on it. And this is in Arizona, uh, somewhat near the the Grand Canyon. But this past summer, my girlfriend and I were doing a cross country drive 
uh, from San Francisco, and then we went south and along the southern um, United States. And Rodent Crater is not open to the public, but we actually tried to go to it. So we did like this long, it took like a 40 minute off-roading journey and like the car that we were driving was not made for it. So we were scared that it was gonna like uh, run into some problems along the way. But uh, fortunately we, we made it almost to the top. And uh, so we, we finally, we saw construction going on there at, at the same time, but we started driving up the road to get to the entrance at the very top. And then next thing we know, we see security come speeding down um, in a truck and they pull up next to us and, uh, and they tell us to, to get out of there. But I mean, the, the person, his name was Hawk, <laughs> the, the security officer. He was very nice about it, but um, yeah, he did send us on our way, but I will be putting that in some of my end of the year footage because I, I did capture some content there. Uh, we got pretty close to it. And honestly, it was like seeing a, an alien structure um, right here on Earth. Yeah, it, it is incredible. Um, the photos from inside and, and all the footage, it, you know, going in there would, would just be heavenly. Um, like you say, like stepping into a portal, I think light can be experienced in such beautiful ways as James Terrell has has tried to show the public um, and it's it's a form of art that isn't really um, very popular let's say there's very few light artists compared to to paint or you know typical art forms like that so I'd love to to visit the Rodin Crater when it when it does eventually open to the public whenever that is hopefully in my lifetime as well as Terrell's lifetime yeah I, I think so I'm hopeful I believe a security officer was telling us that it's you know scheduled to to be opening up in in the next ten years, but he says more realistically it'll probably be fifteen. Nonetheless, uh, I do plan on on visiting that. Yeah, I was just looking up the San Francisco um, installation. Yeah, I mean that that looks so amazing. I just love to to step inside there and just sit there for a couple hours. I think. We need these structures um, all over the world. So one thing I'd love to to talk about is you've actually met Kanye West. It must be a, a big story. So please tell me about that. This happened at the beginning of 2019, right? And it's so it's so crazy how this story turned out. But to truly tell it in its entirety, I actually have to start in October of 2018 right so 2018 is when i graduated high school in pennsylvania which is on the east coast of the united states and then i flew um, well i actually drove but i drove from pennsylvania um 3,000 miles to san francisco on the west coast and i had been a longtime fan of, of kanye west and i've always told people in high school hey i'm gonna meet kanye west one day and then, you know, some people would be like, who do you think you are? Why do you think you're so special that you're going to meet him? And I, I just told him, like, it's, it's going to happen. I'm not, I'm not going to try to force it, but I just feel that's something that's naturally going to occur with the, the mindsets that we have, I think, will cross paths. So I get to San Francisco, and I'm excited to start college. But in the back of my head, I also know that San Francisco is a city Kanye West likes to visit often. 
some think there's a good shot that I'll be able to beat him at some point. So in around October of 2018, I wrote down on a, well, you know what, the best way to, to get a visual of this would be to go to my website, jaredtross.com, and then go to my about page. And on there, I have this graphic organizer inspired by Kanye's Donda chart that he published um, a few years back. Yeah. And I've actually been slowly adding bits and pieces to this um, organizational chart of all my ideas. And I've been working on this since 2016, just slowly added one idea after the next. So on this chart is just a, an organizer of all my different business and creative ideas that I want to bring into the world. And so I printed this out in October 2018. And on the back, I wrote a message to Kanye West. You know, I put my contact information and I even put my age. Now, get this. This is where we start tapping into law of attraction. I was 18 at the time that I wrote it. But for my age, I put 19 years old. Right. Mm -hmm. So I wrote that down. And then in November 2018, I turned 19 years old. Okay, so and in November, actually, I went to a Pusha T concert. Um, in San Francisco because I thought Kanye West might make a surprise appearance because they had just worked on Daytona together, but he did not show up. <laughs> so I went there like with it with a, a paper folded up in my wallet, um, but it was turned out not to be the right time yet. But in December of 2018, I was doing some self-reflection and I realized that I hadn't, I've kind of been running from, you know, doing the hard stuff that I need to do. Yeah. So coming into 2019, I decided that I wanted to approach the year as my year of embracing suffering. I just wanted to embrace these, these hardships that I knew would help me grow. And for me, I, I've never really liked having a, you know, a regular job. I like to kind of work uh, on my own and do my own entrepreneurial endeavors. But mm -hmm. in 2019, I said, you know what, I'm going to face it. I'm going to face this. This will help bring in some extra income for me. And so I decided I was going to apply for jobs. Um, and one of the jobs I applied to was at the Exploratorium, which is like a hands-on science museum in San Francisco. Because I, I'd actually been a fan of that since 2015 when uh, me and my friend Malcolm had discovered it uh, just online. And we really loved the, the energy of it. And we hope to, uh, and we still hope to do something like that uh, between the two of us in the future. But I applied to this job at the Exploratorium. Um, into January, so now we're in 2019, in January, I was scheduled for an interview. So I first had a phone interview, which is really quick. And then they said, okay, we'd love to have you come in for an in-person interview um, at 1045. So I got there early, fortunately, and I go up to the front desk and I say, um, hey, my name is Charity Ross. I'm here for an interview. And then they said, OK, one second, your interviewer will be right down. And so a few minutes later, my interviewer comes down and she starts taking me um, upstairs into a, a room for our interview. And as we're walking, I ask her, I say, hey, um, did you know Kanye West was here a few weeks ago? And she turns to me and she says, yes, I actually got to give him the tour. <laughs> and so 
we sit down at the interview table and she takes out her walkie-talkie and she puts it on the table and she turns it up and she says sorry we're expecting a vip guest today and i said who's the vip guest and she was like i'm sorry i can't tell you that and i was like okay that's fine so we go into the interview it goes well and then at the end she says do you have any questions for me and i say yeah who's that vip guest and then she she starts laughing but um you know she tells me again that she really can't share that and i'm like okay fair enough so i start heading downstairs so i finished my interview um very very fast it was finished early so i'm finished at 11 and as we're leaving she says feel free to walk around the museum and take a look at some of the exhibits so i do i walk around for 15 minutes and it's around 11:15 when i'm finally leaving as I'm leaving, I go to say goodbye to the receptionist, um, you know, tell her to have a nice day and everything. And when I, when I say goodbye, she doesn't really respond to what I said, but instead says, did you see him? And I'm like, who? And she's like, Kanye West. <laughs> and like, he was here. And then she's like, yeah, you missed him by like 15 minutes. Whoa. And I'm thinking to myself, if I didn't get there 15 minutes early, I would have met him right there at the front desk. Mm. <laughs> and then I asked her, which way did he go? And she says, I think he went over to the uh, building next door. And so I go over there and I see two security guards standing outside there. And I walk up to them. And I say, excuse me, there wouldn't have to be a Kanye West back there, would there? <laughs> and they say, they start laughing. They say, sorry, you just missed him. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I start leaving. I, I gave up at that point. I start walking away. And so I, I see this big black SUV pull up to the building. But long story short, I waited outside for two and a half hours because I just had this feeling that he was still back there. And after two and a half hours, I was like, okay, I'm running out of water. My phone's losing its battery. It's time to call it quits. So I walk up to the security guards one last time and I say, you know what, maybe he's really not here. So I'm gonna leave now. But I just want you to know if you let me leave and he is here, then you just ruined a young man's dream today. <laughs> and one of the security guards just shrugged their shoulders and I'm like, damn. <laughs> so at that point, I turn, I turn to leave. And out of the corner of my eye, I see a door opened behind the security guards and was one of the bodyguards who came out of the car earlier who was coming out of the door and he motioned for me to come over and i walk over to him and then he says if you wait a few more minutes i'll make sure you get a picture with him <laughs> and i'm like i'm oh my gosh I'm like i said hey i don't want a picture i just want to give him something yeah so I take out of my wallet that piece of paper that my organizational chart of all my ideas with the message to Kanye West on it. I take that out of my wallet, which had been in there since October of 2018. And I said, just give him this. He takes it. He says, I'll make sure he gets it. He goes back in. And then I wait a little bit longer. 30 minutes later, uh, the bodyguard comes out, followed by Kanye West. And I see Kanye come out and he's looking down, reading the paper. <laughs> Wow. And I'm thinking, I'm like, oh my God, he's really reading it. And then he asked me, what do I do? And I said, I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a student at the University of San Francisco. And then 
he actually he gave me um, a contact who worked at Donda, um, gave me a phone number of someone who worked with him, and then um, he was like, "I gotta go, I gotta get to the airport," and I was like, "Okay, uh, thank you so much." Uh, he said thank you, and then he he got in his car and he headed out. But um, that is the story of how I met Kanye West. That is that is an incredible story. I mean, that, that's incredible. All those things that led up to that one moment. I mean, when you missed him the first time, I bet you were like, "Oh my gosh, this is this is the worst day. I've just missed him by fifteen minutes." And then you thought you missed him again when the security guard told you he's gone. Again, that must have been a hard one to take, but you, you believed in yourself and you, you trusted your, your heart and you met him. I mean, how incredible is that? Myself, I was just coming back from college once. Uh, this was about September this year in London. And I was standing outside Selfridges. Just, I, you know, I was waiting there for about five minutes, ten minutes. And then I walked off, got on the, the train back home. And as I was on the train, I was checking Twitter. And I saw that there were people tweeting Kanye West was just in Selfridges as I was standing outside. And it's very rare for Kanye to, to come to London these days. So I was like, ah, oh, come on. You know, I missed him. I was literally just standing there. And the same thing happened as well uh, about a year before that when... Travis Scott was in Selfridges and I, I completely missed him. I was on the opposite side of the building um, and I missed him just like that. But from what you've said, I'm not going to take that as, as a negative because it, everything happens for a reason. And maybe one day um, I'll be as, as blessed as you by the universe to, to actually connect with, with someone like Kanye and, and share ideas there. But I mean, what would you say, bro? Would you say that's one of your main achievements in life or does something outweigh that? Or would you not class that as an achievement? You know, I'm, I'm not sure that would, that would count much of, I wouldn't count that as an achievement so much because I think it was, it was something that was going to happen that the universe had set up for me because I had, you know, been requesting it so much and, was on a, a certain frequency and had the the mindset to truly be in a position to take advantage of it, you know, as someone who's who's more than just a fan, who wanted him to know that I was more than just a fan, which is why I, I turned down the um the picture. And you know, you mentioned how the odds were so slim that that would happen. There's a there's a cool there's a cool story that happened a bit before that that kind of complements the idea that the odds were so slim uh, for this to happen, for that meeting with Kanye to happen. And it was actually, I applied to a job before the Exploratorium and it was at my university and I had an excellent interview. Like I walked out of that place thinking that I had the job for sure. And I was thinking to myself, I said, hey, if someone else gets the job, they really deserved it because they must have been that much more skilled at at the job that was up for for grabs, and um, a few weeks later, I find out I didn't get the job. And as soon as I found out I didn't get the job, I went on Twitter and I said, "Just got turned down for a job at my university." I'm so grateful. I'm, I said, "I'm so grateful to the universe." I don't know why this happened, but I know there's something else better coming for me. 
And it was because I got turned down for that job that I ended up applying to the Exploratorium. And that led me uh, right to Kanye West. Well, so there we go. It all came into play. Just to 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 move on now, um, one final question I would like to ask you, um, and you can take your time answering this as I'm sure it will be quite in-depth. So one question is, where do you see yourself in the next 10 to 15 years? And one more question as well, I'd love to add to that, is which one of your ideas stands out to you the most? And if you had the opportunity to bring one into the world, which one would it be and why? Okay, perfect. Uh, to answer your, your first question, where I see myself in the next 10 years, you know, I think I might be, I might end up physically in Dallas, Texas. Um, and that's where I'm living right now. But it's it's just for, you know, a few months and I'm actually leaving here next next month. But I'm here now because my semester for college is online and I, I'm usually in San Francisco for college. But since it's online and I really like Dallas, I thought, hey, I might as well sample living there for a little bit. And so I did. Um, but I, I would genuinely want to come back here. I, I you know, I love this place. I love the, the business energy. I love the weather. More importantly, where I'm at, you know, in my personal life and, uh, you know, my mentality, I do envision myself being in a much better financial situation, you know, being able to truly call myself financially free. And, you know, it's it's been difficult because one of the things that I've chosen to prioritize is making sure I'm financially free before pursuing a lot of my creative pursuits. The reason I do that is because I know that once I establish this strong foundation financially, I'll be able to use that to fund all, whether it be business or creative or a mix of both. I won't have to rely on you know going and asking for donations or trying to raise money. If I have the structure, you know, the credit and the, just the financial ability to fund my own stuff, I won't have to rely on others. And that's been so big for me. I just don't want to have to rely. So I have put some things on that list on the back burner while I organize my finances. And I know, I know in 10 years from now, I'm going to be, I envision myself a millionaire in 10 years. I truly do. A millionaire who's able to um, empower more people. And one of the key things, uh, this is also within the span of 10 years. And the idea that I think is the most, maybe one of the most uh, powerful ideas on my organizational chart and it would be under the uh, philanthropy portion of it. It's called the TAPS response team. And the TAPS response team stands for thoughts and prayers response team. So something that you hear when there's a natural disaster um, or you know a terrorist attack, people will get on social media and they'll say, hey, we're sending you our thoughts and prayers, right? And you know, there's some people who kind of get irritated when they see that all the time. And, you know, one of my ideas, and I think this is really good marketing and for a really good cause, is to create a disaster response team called Thoughts and Prayers. You know, an acronym that spells out TAPS. So the TAPS response team will be able to be deployed um, to these areas who are impacted by disasters. And they'll be deployed in waves. So the first wave will be, you know, first aid and emergency supplies. The next wave will be 
um, setting up a bit more infrastructure, you know, like inflatable hospitals, um, and just providing more of that uh, longer term or medium term care and structure for whatever place was impacted. And then a third wave would come in and, and rebuild what might have been destroyed in that area. And so that is, that's an idea that I hold very close to my heart because it's, I mean, I think the marketing of it is great, which means I'll get more support, more media attention and, and just be able to have a larger reach. And again, that's why I want to establish a strong financial base so that I can fund things like that without having to worry. I think the fact that out of all the things you could have chosen, you chose the philanthropy one, which helps people, really speaks about you a lot and, and your personality and how driven you are, not just um, not to better yourself, but for the ultimate goal of, of helping others and making the world a better place. Um, I really resonate with that. So that, that's a great a great thing there. And what you said about being a millionaire in 10 years, I can clearly see that you you will be. It's, it's been really inspiring talking to you about about these things. I can clearly see that that you are going to go far, and I hope we have this um we have this taps response in in the world that would help so many people. Yeah, I I brought up the philanthropy one because I mean, truly, it is the it's the end goal for me. You know, I've been telling people since eighth grade that I'm going to become a billionaire entrepreneur philanthropist. And philanthropist is the last word in the title, but it's the first priority. For sure, bro. That that is just great stuff. Um it's been great talking to you today. Thank you so much for for coming on, having a conversation with me. I mean, I've definitely been inspired. Some of the things that we've discussed I'll definitely be bringing into my own life. And I hope people listening have been inspired in some way as well so thank you so much for that thank you for having me on it's been incredible as i said it's been amazing to anyone listening still thank you ever so much it it really motivates me to carry on making these you know you take a lot of time to to record and edit and all bits like that and upload so thank you ever so much if you are now listening on apple podcasts be sure to leave a five-star review um it will just help more people see the podcast in the future so thank you uh, if you'd like to be on a future episode of the Pillcast, just reach out to me, whatever story you want to share. Just, it will be amazing to, to have you on the, the Pillcast. But until next time, thank you and goodbye.